Hello, I'm Pastor Paul, an associate pastor at Living Word, and this is our podcast. I want to say thank you for joining us today. I know this message will minister to your spirit and it will build your faith. I know God will move in your life because you are a doer of the word. Enjoy today's message. But I want to acknowledge those things because we're going to be talking about treasure tonight. We're going to be talking about refinement. We're going to be talking about... uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I promise, or I apologize, I'm probably going to say Abednego because I don't know. I don't know if I grew up saying it that way, and it's Abednego, so you're just going to have to get over it. I'm probably going to say it. But anyway, I wanted to point out because, uh, you know, Pastor Doug and I were talking, and and Pastor Doug gives us the liberty as as people who speak and as pastors here on staff. he, He says, you don't have to try and make everything try and connect, you know. But oddly enough, I'm going to open with Matthew chapter 13, where, uh, where we first started, where we were talking in on Sunday. And I want to look at just a quick parable in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. We'll give everyone a minute to, to turn there on your Bibles. I also, I, I, I love how Rihanna talked about ambassadors, how we are ambassadors of Christ. I wanted to open with this. I'm representing the Lord Jesus tonight, and I just want to brag on how faithful he is. How faithful he is when we step out. When we do what he asks us to do, you know, I, I know I say it every single time I preach, but I want to give glory to Jesus. I watch Emory in the mornings. It's a busy morning for me to try and prepare a message, but you know, he's always faithful and he always comes through. And I want that to be a lesson for all of us. Your life might be crazy. Your work schedule might be crazy. Your kids might be crazy, but he'll work around it. He'll work with you. Amen. All right. Now that you're in Matthew chapter 13. Again, the kingdom of heaven, this is verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hides, and for joy therefore goeth and selleth all that he has and buys that field. Again, I'm going to read that one more time. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, uh, and the which when a man hath found it, he hideth the treasure, and for joy, therefore, goeth and selleth all that he has, and buyeth that field. I want each and every one of us to think tonight that we are a field. We each individually are a dirty, dusty old field, but inside of our field is treasure. Inside of each and every person we encounter is treasure. And not the treasure of uh, you know, natural stuff like silver or gold, but kingdom treasure. We've been teaching and preaching all along the lines of producing fruit for the kingdom, right? Not being a stagnant Christian, not being a passive Christian, but being a productful one. Amen? And I want to encourage you tonight, we're going to be talking about the treasure that is in your field. We're going to be talking about the treasures that are in uh, other people's fields. No matter how grimy, how dusty, how dirty, how weedy other people's fields are. Now, we're going to read a lot of scripture tonight, so uh, you can follow along, or you can just sit there and listen to me. I'm going to paraphrase a whole bunch of it because I want to get through it in a timely manner. We're going to open up in Daniel chapter 3. I want to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and kind of tie it into uh, a, a weird way. I've never really taught it this way or heard it taught this way. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I, I can't tell you the Hebrew names, I forgot, but they, they were essentially under a king, and the king was King Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, they were in charge over some provinces in Babylon, and they were high-ranking, but they were Jews. Now, 
I started talking about uh, the treasure that each and every one of us have, how God has placed gifts and callings within us to produce for his kingdom. Amen? How you've got a treasure in your field and your heart that Jesus put there, that God put there, and that God wants to grow and refine. But in this current age, in this current time, we recognize that the enemy is trying to suppress people's treasures. The enemy, the, the devil, Scripture calls him the thief. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So the devil's out to suppress treasures in people. And you can, uh, you can see that just by a simple scroll through Facebook, right? You can see people's love for many waxing cold. You know what I mean? You can see uh, the love for the gifts that God put in people uh, overshadowed by the dirt in people's lives. And I want to point out that uh, the enemy wants to suppress those treasures, but we have a way around that, and we're going to get to that. But before we do, let's read Jan Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, whose height was three square cubits, which is 90 feet about, and the width, therefore, was six cubits, which is nine feet. So that is like a tall pencil. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come up to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Now skip to verse 4. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations and languages, every single person, that at that what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And whoso falleth not down and worship uh, shall the same hour be cast in the midst of a burning fiery furnace. So, so we see a king, we could call him a, kind of a tyrannical king, sets up a golden image, makes everyone bow down to it, no matter their race, no matter their religion, no matter what language they speak, no matter whatever, there was a conformity. There was a society that was being forced to conform to a government control. Now, let's, uh, I'm going to paraphrase the next little bit here just so we get to it. A group of Chaldeans came near. And they accused the Jews. So there was a group who saw that these Jewish boys, these Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't listening, right? They were, uh, they were Hebrew. They knew the word. They knew what, uh, what was commanded of them to keep the Lord first, honor the Lord thy God with all their heart. I mean, I guess Jesus didn't say that to them quite yet, but the Ten Commandments pointed out to keep the Lord first, right? To honor the Lord. And in verse chapter 12, it says, uh, the, the Chaldeans saying to the king, there are certain Jews whom you have set over affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded you. They serve not your gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Scripture tells us that the king was upset, very, very angry, very, very upset. And in verse 14, the king calls the three boys over, says his face was his visage, visage changed, as the, the uh, King James says. He says, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not you serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I've set up? Now if you be ready that at that time you hear the sound of all the instruments, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour 
into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? We see a cocky king here, right? All the power, all the authority sets up this 90-foot tall pencil that's made of gold for people to worship. He says, and what God do you have that can overcome me, right? Understand that the enemy will always question our identity with Christ Jesus. We've talked about this before. Whose God do you have that can overcome me? What did the devil say to Jesus when he was tempted in the desert? If you be the Son of God. There was a questioning that, that has happened. And why am I pointing this out tonight? I, I want to encourage you. We're, we're going to save some treasures tonight. We're going to learn how to save some treasures in the people we come across and see every day. We're going to learn how to recognize that each one of us here, whether you've been here 50 years or you've been here five times, there's treasure. Right? There's treasure. And there's the, the enemy doesn't like the treasure. He doesn't want the treasure. He said, and who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? The world's way of life, the way that things are done here on this earth, they present no other option, right? Conform or be taken out. It's a system of fear. But in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I love their response to the king. The king saying, hey, come on, boys, is this true? What do you got going on? Why aren't you doing what I told you to do? And they, uh, they said very tactfully, <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. In other words, uh, we aren't going to be politically correct. We ain't going to tiptoe around it. We're going to tell you. How bold. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto you, O king, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. We're talking about treasures and people. We're talking about how the enemy wants to suppress, suppress the treasures and people, but we're going to see what happens when we obey God in a moment of pressure, in a moment of fire, in a moment of threat. In other words, they told the king, God's going to deliver us from the fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, know that we will serve our God and never yours. Scriptures go on to say, again, I'm trying to go fast through this because it's a lot. The king was furious and he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Why not, right? It's already going to burn him up and kill him. Why not just make it seven times hotter? Again, this is a cocky king who says, Who God, whose God do you have that can overthrow me? He had the, the scripture says that he had the most mighty men in his army bind and tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they threw him in the furnace. Now, verse 21, these three men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and they were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In other words, the mighty men were killed because the fire was so hot. Now, let's recap. King Nebuchadnezzar built a golden image. He commanded all the worship. The three Hebrew boys wouldn't do it. 
So they heated up the furnace seven times hotter. They tied them up. They threw them in the flames. The flames were so hot, they killed the mighty men. And how's your day going, right? I mean, talk about a rough start. All in the name of, uh, of obeying God. See, this is how the world tries to suppress and take out treasures. By the threatening, by the pressuring, by the binding, and by silencing. But recognize we have access to the one with the name above all of that. Right? Come on now. We got access to the one who's got the name above it all. If you're experiencing the pressures of this world, recognize that God has a plan for your life and wants to use you. See, I, uh, I love this because this is a topic that can stretch all across how, no matter how long or how, how young or how old you are in the faith and Christianity, recognize that if you're experiencing the pressures of this world, if you're experiencing issues in your life, if you're experiencing a, 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 a fiery furnace in your life, maybe it's in your family, maybe it's in your finances, maybe it's in your health, maybe it's in whatever, recognize that, first of all, God must want to use you, Right? God doesn't send that stuff. We know that. John 10.10, 10, the thief, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant. So we know that the fiery furnaces don't come from God. We know that the pressures of life aren't from him. But why else would the enemy want to target you? Treasure. Why else would the enemy want to suppress people? Treasure. The treasure that's in each and every one of us that's hid down in that dirt, right? I, uh, I, I, I'm not going to name names, but I, uh, it's not Rihanna, I promise. I recently had a, a, an opportunity over the, uh, the past few years, I've had a couple opportunities to explore some old buildings, okay? Some old buildings. These buildings are run down a little bit. They had raccoons get in there, Right? They had uh, everything that comes after a raccoon. You use your imagination and fill in the blanks. But uh, I had the opportunity to go in through this place and dig through, and it was like a treasure hunt. Look and see what I find. You never know what you're going to find. You turn over a book, you turn over a whatever, and there's going to be something there, right? See, the excitement of finding the treasure, because of that excitement, I, looked, I overlooked all the raccoons. I overlooked all the dirty, all the mess. I overlooked what most people would turn away from and recognize that as Christians, we have that same responsibility. We have that same joy to where we see someone who's dusty, dirty, whether in their life, I'm not even talking about naturally looking, I'm talking about their life, right? They got stuff going on. They got issues. They got uh, problems. We have the joy and the responsibility, the thrill of the hunt of digging up the treasure in every person. Amen? Amen? Of digging up the treasure that's in people. There was, a, there was a, a, a mighty man of God years ago named Smith Wigglesworth. And this isn't in my notes, but it's just coming up. He was a, he was a plumber, I think. He was a plumber. He was a uneducated, unlearned, couldn't even read. A dirty field, a dusty field. But he got a hold of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and through that, that treasure began to come up. That treasure began to be uh, uh, dug up, excavated. And through that, he became educated. He became, uh, the Holy Spirit used him mightily. Where most people 
would look at a plumber who's uneducated, unlearned, walk past. See, we have treasures in each and every one of us. And every person that we encounter, there's something that God has placed inside of them that we have the thrill of the hunt to dig up now. If you're experiencing the pressures of this world, recognize that God has a plan for your life and he wants to use you. You have a treasure in your field. Now I go on in my notes here. I I wrote down a thought. I said, our actions of love for Jesus will open the door for him to manifest or show himself in our life, our situation, and deliver us. Let's say that one more time. We're talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They just got thrown in the seven times hotter fiery furnace. Our actions of love for Jesus will open the door for him to manifest himself in our situation and deliver us. How do I know that? You don't have to turn here. I'm going to read it quick because I want to move on. John chapter 14, 21. He says, he that has my commandments, this is Jesus talking, he that has my commandments and keepeth them. In other words, he who understands what I ask you to do, to to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your enemy as yourself, he who keeps the commandments of Christ, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. We have that expectation. If we love God, Jesus will manifest himself in our lives no matter the situation. We're saving treasures tonight. Understand that the treasure saved is Jesus wants to take that treasure that's within us and refine it. Right? Refining. I, I, I watch a lot of... Uh, I watch a lot of... Um, oh, I, don't, I can't even think of the right word. Casting, I guess you could call it. Where uh, guys will take a, a fiery furnace, right? They'll take a cauldron... They'll take a whole bunch of old bullet casings or or aluminum. They'll melt it all down, right? And they will pour out the molten aluminum or the molten brass into a mold. After that, pull the mold out of the sand and voila, they've got whatever they imprinted in the sand. And that's what the refinement process looks like. And in each video, each time they do that, they always open up the the fiery furnace. They shine the, the camera right down into the cauldron, right? They take their ladle and they scoop the top to get rid of the impurities. See, sometimes we we got to allow Jesus to take the treasure within us and let him refine it. And when he refines that treasure, some impurities might rise up, you know? He'll make us known what, uh, what we need to change. He makes it easy. I'm so glad. He makes it obvious. But we're talking about how Jesus wants to take the treasure in people and refine that so it can be fit for his use. The scripture says that it may be meat for the master's use or uh, fit for the master's use. I don't remember exactly how Pastor Doug said it a long time ago, and I heard it from Pastor Paul, and I think I said it wrong, but I don't care. I like how this sounds. He says, the real you is different than the current you, and you are not who you think you are. Understand that we all have a place in the body of Christ and we get to discover that treasure in our own selves and Jesus gets to refine it. Now, I talked earlier about how our act of obedience will unlock the provision of heaven. Our act of obedience will unlock the provision of heaven. Back in Daniel chapter 3, verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the fiery furnace. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spoke and said to all his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose. Now remember that, loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. In other words, Jesus Christ. We see Jesus in the Old Testament. This, we can look to this Old Testament picture and know that Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can, I want to encourage you tonight, if you're experiencing a fiery furnace in your own life, if you're experiencing a fiery furnace meant to take out your treasure, meant to take out what God has put in you, I want to encourage you that we have the fourth man in the fire named Christ. And understand that Jesus wants to take the fiery furnace, the furnace of destruction that the world tries to set up, and he wants to turn it into a fire of refinement. And understand that his Holy Spirit's fire of refinement is much different than the fires of this world. The fires of this world would have burned up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the Holy Spirit fire of God burned up the bounds, burned up the yoke, burned up what was holding them down, what was keeping them in this suppressed state. Understand that this king, this uh, non-saved, non-Christian king, looked in the fire and said, that looks like Jesus. Understand your life is a testimony in progress. Your life is a testimony right now. And recognize that when we give ourselves over to Jesus for refinement, the world notices that. The world sees that. Right? This unsaved, terrible king recognized Jesus. Recognize that the people with the dirty fields in your life, they recognize Jesus in you. And when we allow Jesus to refine us, that's a testimony. Nebuchadnezzar came near, verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar came near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. This is the same man, the same king who said, whose God do you serve that's greater than me? Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth in the midst of the fire, and the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men, upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair on their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on to them. Understand that I said it earlier that Jesus wants to turn the fiery furnace of destruction into the fire of his refinement. While the furnace of the world burns away at our life, recognize that the fire of God restores us to who he's called us to be. I find it interesting, there's probably more here, but I just didn't have time to, to study it out. But I find it interesting in the Old Covenant and the New King, or in the King James, it says that neither were their coats changed. I know I've talked about this before, but recognize in Jewish culture, that the person's outer garments, their coat, represented their identity. Understand that the fire of God, or rather the fire of this world, will try and change our identity. 
A fire of this world tries to question our identity. Remember, I opened with that. But God's fire, His refining fire, secures our identity. His refining fire reveals identity. Now, maybe you've been burned by the fire of this world, but it doesn't change who Jesus has called you to be. I said earlier, maybe you've, uh, maybe you've been going through some stuff, right? Maybe the pressures of this world have got its way in there. Jesus still sees treasure in you. Jesus still sees treasure in those around us. Amen? I, uh, I talked about the refining process. I talked about how when, uh, when God refines treasure in us, or well, let's just use a natural situation, when I, these guys casting brass or casting aluminum, right? There's impurities that raise to the top, and they have to be scooped out, Right? some, uh, some uh, how do I say it, some sustenance or some of the material has to be removed. Now understand that maybe you, uh, maybe you, you're telling me or maybe someone you know would say, Josh, you don't understand what I've done, man. You don't understand. I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot of treasure down in there. And you're telling me that some of it's even going to be removed. The impurities are going to be taken out. There's not going to be much left. But understand something. A Boeing 747, I'm an aviation guy. I say it every time, I'm going to put something in here. A Boeing 747 has a 211-foot wingspan. That's about a 20-foot tall building if you turn it on its side. It's over 400,000 pounds. The the, the, the latest variant could hold almost 450 seats, people, right? Massive, great big cargo airplane, great big freight liner airplane. I mean, huge. And it's held together by rivets. If you don't know what a rivet is, it's a tiny little piece of metal. It's a cylinder. And basically, you take two sheets of metal, overlap them, drill a hole in both of them, stick the rivet in there, squash it down, and the FAA says that, that is the most secure way to hold a plane together. See, you might think you don't have a lot to offer, but you might be the rivet God needs to complete his piece, right? Now, I got another story to go along with it. I bought a lawnmower last year. I was looking for, uh, I'm I'm an international man, I'm a case man, I'm a red man, I like farm all, but when it comes to uh, to lawn equipment, I'm a John Deere man. And uh, (laughs) I know Ed and Tammy would be proud of that, so. But I I needed a new mower deck, and I did some searching, and lo and behold, I found a whole mower, essentially brand new, 130-some hours on it, right? Pretty much brand new. Long story short, the lady ended up being related to my mom somehow, and I didn't even know we had family in this neck of the woods, and I got a great deal on it. But there was a catch. The deal was, listen, it, it has a rough carburetor. You start it up, it just chokes out. It doesn't stay running. But I have a new carburetor. If you can do it yourself, I'll take 100 bucks off, and you can buy it. So I uh, elated buy this mower, get it all worked out with, with my mom and, and Craig here to get it moved to my house, right? I started up, it runs rough, it does need a new carburetor, and they included the part. While I was taking apart uh, this, this little tractor, right, a carburetor has some tiny little bits in it, and I needed a very specific tool, and it just so happens I brought it with me. Now, this it's called an ignition wrench. This is a 5.32 wrench. So if you take an inch, right, and you divide it perfectly into 32 divisions, it's five of those. I mean, you can barely see that. 
It was either this one or another one, but it's about the same size, right? Tiny, tiny wrench. But this tiny little wrench was the entire weight of whether the machine would work, whether it could be fixed, whether the carburetor could be put back together, rested on this tiny little wrench. See, your treasure may need some refining. Your treasure may not have a lot of material left in it. It may be a tiny rivet. It may, all it may be is this tiny little 532nd wrench. But recognize you may be the tiny wrench that God needs. You may be the tiny wrench that God needs to make a tweak in in someone's life and adjust their path. You might be the tiny wrench that God needs to make a change in a relationship, to be Jesus, to be the fourth man in the fire in someone's life. See, we got to look at people a lot different. I'm not saying living word, but I'm saying we as people, as humanity, there is value in every person. And it doesn't matter if, it's the si- if their treasure is the size of a Boeing 747 or the rivets that hold it together or this tiny little ignition wrench. There's treasure. There's treasure. There's treasure in you. Now, this might be a 15-cent wrench, but to the right person, I bet they'd pay over $100 for it if it uh, got the job accomplished. There's value. There's value. Why is all of this important? Is because refinement is what brings forth fruit. See, I needed, uh, I needed some fruit produced in my life when it came to my lawn and gardening and tractors. Understand that this little wrench allowed me to uh, put together an object to be used to benefit me. Recognize that when we are refined by the fire of God, He makes us fit for His use. And that is what produces fruit. Now, I talked about the refining process, removing impurities. I talked about how we are a treasure who God made us, or we are, there is a treasure in us that God made, and that treasure is gifts that he's given us to produce fruit. Understand, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of that fire with a testimony, right? It says, uh, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who had sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted him and changed the king's words and yielded their bodies that they might not serve or worship any other God except their own God. Understand that the people of this world will be moved by the Lord Jesus and what he will do through us. These boys obeyed the word of the Lord and all of a sudden, boom, cast into a fire. Jesus' deliverance in our life may look a little bit different than what we anticipate, right? This is the God Almighty, right? This is the God who rescued Jacob or rescued the Israelites out of, out of Egypt. This is the Almighty God with the pillar of fire by day and the, the cloud, or pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day, the pillar, whatever. You know what I'm saying? So they were expecting, God's got God's to do something about this. But in their act of obedience, they were faced with the furnace. Understand that the enemy will try and come against us when we step out in obedience. But we know the end of the story. See, we can't be intimidated by the furnace that's faced before us. Rather, we got to take heart in knowing that my God will deliver us. Amen? The evidence of God is backed up 
uh, the evidence of God backed up their obedience to his word, the word of others. Now, uh, going on in verse 29, King Nebuchadnezzar says, Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, language, which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, gets a little graphic, shall be cut into pieces, and their house shall be made a dunghill, because there is none other God that can deliver after this sort. This was the same man, the same person in command, the same person in control who said, no one else will ever serve any other God except for this beautiful image that I have created. There is no God who can come against me. Who's your God who can deliver you from the fiery furnace? And in an instant, it was shifted. The decree of the land was changed to where no persecution shall come against these people who speak against this God. No persecution shall come against the people of God. I want to encourage you today that even though whatever's happening in our nation, whatever's happening in this world, we have an answer. And in our obedience to Christ Jesus, to find the treasure in people, to look for the treasure in people, to let Jesus refine the treasure in us, God can even uh, affect change in our government and those who make the decrees of our land. All hope is not lost, right? Recognize the power and the authority that Jesus has in your life. Recognize what your testimony means. See, someone who has a testimony in the, in the court of law, it's not a, uh, a hearsay. It's not, well, so-and-so told me that this person did such-and-such. No, in order to have a proper testimony in the court of law in our current judicial system, you have to be a firsthand, a firsthand witness. You have to have, you be an eyewitness, is what it's called. Well, you either saw it with your own eyes or heard it with your own ears. Recognize that God, when he divinely inspired this word, that he used testimony on purpose. We are to have firsthand experience, firsthand knowledge of the delivering and saving power of Jesus. And you know what? If you believe in Jesus, if you've accepted him into your heart, congratulations, you have a testimony. It doesn't necessarily take getting thrown into a fiery furnace. You're a new creature. Dare I say that's a bigger deal than getting thrown into a furnace and not being burned. Our deliverance may look different than expected, but when we are delivered from trouble, Jesus gets the glory. Now, in John chapter 14, 21, I, I said this earlier, and we'll begin to wrap up here. Jesus said, He that has my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. In Mark chapter 12, verse 28, they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus says, The Lord our, uh, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is this, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is no other commandment greater than these. I wasn't going to teach a message. I'm not necessarily preaching a message about love, but really I am. The main way that we have Jesus operate in our life the main way that we can expect his presence to grow, his manifestation to grow, his delivering power to grow is surrounded in this one thing, love. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, dare I say, loved 
their king. They honored their king. They uh, obviously submitted to their king. But the moment when the king began to uh, go against the decrees of God, the love for God overshadowed their love for their king. Recognize that Jesus put loving God first, but then loving our neighbor as ourself second. It's a simple, simple concept. But I want to encourage you that if we love those around us, the treasures will be saved. If we love those around us, the plane can be built. We'll have all the pieces we need, right? Amen? There's more I could go into, but I'm just not going to quite yet. John chapter 15, verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I want to encourage you. The scriptures say in the last, the, the previous text, to love your neighbor as yourself. I wasn't really planning on this, but we can't love our neighbor as we love ourselves if our own self is not loved. If our own, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Our self-esteem. Recognize you have a treasure. Recognize that God put it in you. And I know that sometimes the pressures of this world can uh, kind of eat away at self-esteem. But if we don't love ourselves, how can we love our neighbors? I want to encourage you, love yourself. Love yourself. You're important. You're valued. You might be a tiny little wrench, but the job can't get done without you. Now, Daniel chapter 3, verse 30. And I'll close with this. The king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. And that's the end of the, the uh, chapter. But understand that even our natural life will prosper as a result of loving Jesus his way and loving one another. Our natural life. The king promoted them. Again, you're a testimony waiting to happen. You're in the middle of it right now. If you're faced with a fiery furnace in your own life, I want to encourage you to reach out to Jesus and he will transform that into a fire of refinement. And out of your obedience and out of your love for him, he will bless you, cause you to prosper. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word, Lord. I thank you that it's timely, that it's a word in due season. Father, I thank you that these people here tonight will be not just hearers of the word only, but doers. Father, that we will begin to see the own treasure in our own selves. And Father, that we'll also see the treasure in others. No matter how funny people may be, no matter how off people may be, no matter how weird people may be, Father, we look past all of those tags that the world puts on people. Father, and we see the treasure. We see the treasure hidden in the field. Now, Father, refine us with your Holy Spirit's power. Refine us with your Holy Spirit's fire that we might be meet for you, your use, fit for your use, Father. Whether it's a great big uh, vessel or a tiny little wrench, Lord, I thank you. Every person is needed, necessary, and required for your kingdom and your plan. So, Father, we say we'll go out and we'll expand your kingdom. We'll go out and find the treasures in others, and we'll find the treasure on our own selves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for joining us. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that Ministry at Living Word Church is possible. You can get more information on our website at go2lwc.org. You can also give online as well. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with your friends. You can take a screenshot and post it to your social stories. You know what? You can even share it in person with someone who needs encouragement from God's Word today. Thanks again for listening. And as always, you're welcome to join us in person where we will worship together and God will minister directly to you. Be blessed this week and be a doer of His Word.